Hello, and welcome to Enough Quicker, a podcast where nothing sounds idiotic if it's wet enough, as we discuss the greatest television show of all time, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're tackling the 108th episode in the series, Dancing in the Dark. <laughs> I missed I missed a really golden opportunity there to be like, and I'm Sarah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I tried to, I was like, yeah, I'm going to deliver this in like a news anchor style because I, I don't want to invite any other. <laughs> readings of that line oh my god i fucking love that line so great um so good it's delivered <laughs> i was like how did that get by censors once again i know well listen we're in season five now right like and i think i think this this episode surprises me in two ways one that it kind of feels like i think we mentioned this in, in some past episodes too it feels like you know we're hitting this like maturity stride in the show like everything is just clicking together so well they know the characters so well it's it's just so tight you know like as as compared to some of the wackiness I think that we were experimenting with in season four which like still worked obviously but not it wasn't tight and I think that this episode is awesome and I cannot believe that this is actually the introduction of Miles so late in the game I I know it's crazy because I always um you know, he's not Stan, obviously, but he's like the second most um, relevant man on the show. I Present think. Present man, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I always, he's I guess, no like Stan. you know, he's so certainly you're, the you're thick Stan man. Fan. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, Stan, Stan, but you know, <laughs> he, um, I'm as Um He, <laughs> he's in it for two seasons. This is like relatively early in the fifth season, so that does make sense, I guess, but. I do always think of him as like a staple, um, but it's interesting to rewatch them in order as we are and see yes. how truly late he comes in. Like, you know, if you were watching this live, um, you're not, I, I think like the picture of Rose as somebody with a boyfriend, like a steady boyfriend, um, hasn't even like crossed your radar yet, you know? So that's really interesting no. to think about, like how well these people, like the live audience knows Rose and, you know, this might seem like just like a throwaway guy that she's dating in this episode, but obviously we know that he sticks around. Um, right. And I, I, I really like how he's presented too. He's such a nice, I, at this point now, I know there's some golden palace people who are going to come for me, but like at this current time, he's a very like nice guy. I think it's like, yeah, so well, great. this is not canon. Okay. We, you know, we're not so good yeah. named it. We are a golden girls podcast. <laughs> That's true. I want to talk about, I want to say, quick thing about so good we named it actually. Yeah. Like, they um as they say in their intro they are the only golden girls slash golden palace podcast um with black hosts to well to, to my knowledge as well <laughs> which yes absolutely. uh you know i want to certainly call out because they're doing such a great job and i just like love seeing all of the new media that pops up and and you know like they're they're um they're really bringing something to the table so i think we're quick plug <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you know, from from the earliest days of Enough Wicker, uh, you and Barrett have been very good uh, Twitter friends and you're yeah, yeah. hilarious. <laughs> so uh, yeah, definitely shout out to them. And I, I know that um, a lot of Enough Wicker fans do actually listen to every other Golden Girls podcast. So you're probably already aware, but <laughs> make sure you, well, you should be named it, which is also just an epic name. I'm like, ah, God, that one's so, <laughs> such, such a good reference. Curses. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so perfect on its last episode too, because it links both shows. So anyway, they, they do a great job, but, um, but yeah, I think it's really funny because um, yeah, as you know, 
never watched the Golden Palace, not interested. Um, and uh, controversial. Dun, dun, dun. But um, <laughs> sorry, George, from Meanwhile, the podcast. Um, but Miles coming in here is another, like, to your point of where we don't actually know where it's going yet. And like the sheer volume of episodes that he will be featured in as a regular character. And also as like, you know, should we call him Nicholas? Like, I'm so confused. You know? mm. uh, or Arnie. But, um, or Arnie. <laughs> but that, but that's, that was my point is like, we've seen, and we will see actually in the next episode as well, like a guest star returning because like, the girls and the producers and you know just everyone is kind of like wow they were great bring them back <laughs> you know for a new character yeah um, and you know we we all know like you know Lou and Mr. Haha and uh you know like just all of the the duplicate folks that we see you know it's kind of just like they're like oh remember that guy Arnie that was you know that was super early on episode three let's uh let's reel him back in yeah. Or like, let's have this guy play George's brother. You know what? Let's have him play George. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's coming it's up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but all right, let's start with, uh, I, I really also love that Miles is introduced as Rose's boyfriend. And it's one of those scenarios in which Blanche fails at a man, right? Like, and so we see Blanche starting sexually frustrated trying to line the kitchen shelves which by the way sexually frustrated or not that's exactly how lining a kitchen shelf goes it's <laughs> terrible it's a horrible experience <laughs> and, like, there's never i don't think ever in the history of lining kitchen shelves unless you're incredibly like an ocd person have you like has no one ever slammed like one of the cabinet doors in frustration i just thought that was such a great like just physical comedy metaphoric scene for like not getting laid. <laughs> yeah. Not getting laid. <laughs> it's I like, I guess, is that the B story that Blanche is sexually frustrated? Because like, I imagine so. that pitch meeting, you know? <laughs> I know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What can we have her do? <laughs> but again, kitchen I think shelf. what I was saying, yeah, exactly. Kitchen shelf. What I was saying about the episode being so tight is that there isn't like a traditional B story to, you know, like here because it's so focused on Rose and Miles, but it is like the Blanche's sexual frustration. And then can you believe that backstabbing slut? You know, like she actually goes out with him. There's actually like, it's just the interplay between like the quote unquote storylines, even if it's not like a traditional A, B path. Um, it just works really well. And and to your point, that pitched me <laughs> like, let's have Blanche be frustrated. I mean, it's great. <laughs> a real delight when exactly. she needs it oh my god it's so oh my good. god yes but it's amazing the, the delivery her delivery on all of these lines is just like like you know the words on the page are great and I know like actually recently on Twitter there's been some um rumblings because some people think that uh the girls improvised which they absolutely did not we all know that it was like like all talked about the writing they all talked about the writers but you know like there is something there's a step in between that we reference a lot on like you know you read it on the page and then how do you say it like how do you deliver it and yeah. like just every single line I mean all of them but like particularly Rue McClanahan in this episode sticks out for me as like the interpretation of a real delight and the way it's delivered is like I know oh it's next level and the, and the faces the other yeah part about like we we always talk about glances and faces and particularly Dorothy's but everyone in this episode and I I would argue continuing through you know the next few episodes in the fifth season 
are just incredible facial expressions. And also, I mean, even talking about like line delivery of just like, how do you go through this for years at a stretch? I have compassionate friends around me. <laughs> it's such an amazing line. <laughs> but then like Blanche, you know, when she goes, all that proves is he has rhythm. And then she just like realizes it herself. You know, we talk about like the wheels turning in their heads. Like, yeah. The line. It's, it's incredible. But the improvised thing, you know, I mean, I think that's a really interesting conversation because it's not true improvisation, but like when they do do table reads or see the script for the first time, they're absolutely have been in the past. And particularly now when it's season five, like the girls themselves, like that's not going to work or I'm, I'm not going to say that, or we should say it like this, like suggestions, right? right. Not in, not like Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen improvisation. <laughs> like kind right. of thing, where yeah. it's like, so whose line like is it the, anyway? Yeah. <laughs> the 40 year old virgin was just like 90% like pot jokes, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, it's a funny movie. I, I'm, not, I'm not ragging specifically on that one, but it's like that is a different way to make a movie than like a tight script, right? So yeah, Curb Your Enthusiasm is all improv, which I love, but it's, there not, you go. it's not this show. It's not It's not this show. Um, you want to talk about Mr. Morelli and two courses of Jeepers Creepers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the coin rattling in the purse. <laughs> That's so great. That's funny. <laughs> also, like, I just, it comes at a really great time, uh, you know, being frustrated with, uh, the political climate in a lot of ways uh, stemming from some privileged old white males. <laughs> I just what do really you mean? The, I'm not familiar. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not familiar. Please clarify. Um, no, because we don't want this episode to be three hours. But um, no, I just, the line of like, this is what like all of those guys expect for a dollar. Oh, yeah, it's like, I mean, it's really like, she, she's very much like, she's like, I know, I know it's worth a buck. Like it's, it, it's just an incredible line and delivery. And it's also like a thousand percent true, right? Like the expectations yeah. of men of the greatest generation of just like, and then she's, but then she's also just like, and I'm still fucking proud. I got a purse full of dimes, you know? Yeah, the shaking really, is so funny. Oh my God. It's so, so good. awesome. It's really wonderful. So yeah, <laughs> I love the idea. Um, I also think Jeepers Creepers is a hysterical song to imagine an old man <laughs> sleeping in Sophia's arms. Too. <laughs> so funny. Oh God. Jeepers but, Creepers. But it's great. Oh, I, I always love, I love when they do dance halls, right? So I love the framing of this episode of like something so... You know, I, I, I've never been like passionate about dance, but like, you know, I know a lot of people who have been, and I think it's interesting of like that experience of particularly for things like, you know, I, I guess ballroom dancing makes sense, but also like salsa dancing or other things where you're like, I go there and I have like a partner dance experience, but it's, it's kind of isolated from like the entire rest of my life right so it's interesting that like you know it, throughout this episode we see Rose and Miles like there's obviously like chemistry there but like it's throughout the course of this episode is like figuring out if it's like more than just dance chemistry right like she refers to him as like you know her dancing partner like at the ballroom and that's it right like they just that's how they met and they just happen to be the pair there. And I think that that happens a lot. Right. And it's like, and it doesn't always translate like Rose and Miles where it's like, we should go out. We should be friends. We should be partners, you know, anything like that. It's more of just like we dance together and that's it. And I, I think it's really, it's just a, it's just a great framing for like a meet cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it's so, I, it's funny you bring up the dance thing because, um, 
Yeah, so I imagine there would be a fair amount of like romantic connections, but actually what I thought of is, um, I can't remember what the girls were doing. It was an early, early episode of Enough Wicker, but you referenced um, Bowling Alone, uh, Robert Putnam's like, you know, exploration of the, basically the disintegration of community. And this really actually, I think is a representation of that too, because like there's still ballroom, you know, clubs and like dances and instructions. And I actually, um, Michelle's family friends are, are, ballroom dancers so they have like a whole group of friends um but I do think it's less present as you know like bowling leagues are um but it's just I think it's also another instance of Rose and Sophia sort of like doing something with their time um -hmm. and like kind of uh you know like an activity like filling their time with an activity which is um like something retirees do for sure but I I just think the like like you're saying like getting paired with somebody random and like meeting people there that's all sort of part of that same thing um and you know like it's lucky that she gets paired with miles but it's um it's just a consistency throughout and i think we call out so many inconsistencies that when uh there's (laughs) something of like the girls continuing to do the same type of activity it's it's fun to see and yeah of course we all love like any dancing (laughs) yeah it's i mean it's wonderful to watch any dancing exactly but that's yeah that's a great point of like the the meeting at a dance hall is the same as just like, oh yeah, like, you know, what are your options today? Like, I don't know. I'm gonna go down to the bar where I know a bunch of single people hang out, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, the senior or, center. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. But I mean, like, yeah, there, there were all these natural places where you're just like, this could be a place where I bump up against people I've never met, right? So that's, literally, that's yeah. where those things happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally in this case. <laughs> uh, which is about the <laughs> such a good line oh my god also that line is amazing i won't even attempt to say the whole thing because it's also drowned out by audience laughter but god what an amazing delivery it's just i love when rose just lapses into her uh, her scandinavian talk it's it's incredible especially when she's horny yeah with such like um earnest like it's so genuine it's like that's oh yeah the way to express how i'm feeling is this and so even though nobody here gets it (laughs) And frankly, everyone here hates it. I'm still going to, I just have to. (laughs) Then the smile. (laughs) Oh, it's such a good, it's so good. It really just translates to, I hope you have a license to carry that girl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. All right. Let's, let's dive into Miles's party. Oh Um, my God. Stuffy, stuffy. But honestly, I love it. I love his apartment. I love the conversation going on. It's so like. I just so like it's college such, professor yeah. yeah I mean it's like it's over the top right like somebody who's like paint paint this stereotypical college professor set and script um but I love the line like what did you think I meant when I said I taught Hemingway I thought you were old <laughs> it's like it's so simple but like Rose's eyes are like the widest you've ever seen them and they're just so incredible and like yeah, it just takes you on a ride. Um, but it's funny because like we were talking about earlier of like, I, I can't really watch this episode now without thinking he's actually Nicholas Carbone. So then because it's so over the top, I'm like, are these your fake friends? Are you, were you pretending? Like, who are these people? He says, whom would you pick? Yeah. <laughs> cracks my shit up. They're just happy to be fighting about Moby Dick, a book that was like, why? How did that come up? It's just like, I don't know, there's man. nothing more not recent that you guys professors. can be talking about. I guess that's true, but we've met them. They're not always talking about like classic literary works and the exactly. meaning of them. 
It'd be way more um, interesting if they were talking about more modern stuff. But, but I yeah. will say, when he says two of my best friends, I want you to meet two of my best friends, they walk away from Rose? That's a red flag, Rude. maybe? I know, man. Oof. No way. Not cool. Good thing you're hot, Miles. Jesus. Yeah. Um, wait, so I want to talk about her answer of um, <laughs> what would you eat? Jesus. <laughs> no. Yeah, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, it's actually Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is what I want to talk about because like, it's you always want to a... talk about Jesus, Lauren. I do. I'm always asking if you know him. Um, <laughs> I already know <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> anyway, um, when she... Oh my <laughs> she, I know when, um, when she says that she's like, Oh, I'd feel guilty, blah, blah, blah. It's such a rose answer. And mm. particularly like, obviously like, it's funny that she says Dorothy and Blanche, but, um, the Jesus thing really, really brought up Kate Brown's book to me because yeah. it's just so like greatest generation, like Protestant middle of America. Like, you know, we don't really talk about Rose's religion or any other religions really very much. Um, thankfully, but oh, I think Christmas. if we really think <laughs> that is unique. Um, <laughs> but I think if we really think about Rose's sort of like moral character, there's a lot of like Puritan Christianity oh, yeah. stuff tied in there. Um, and so I just think like, it's meant to be funny, obviously. And it's also like, I kind of feel like it's a little um, risky for an eighties, nineties audience to be like lol jesus can you like what a dumb answer you know like right 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 well i think it's, it's supposed to be that like in the context of college professors i think this maybe we right. just highlighted where the like stereotypical elitist comes from right because these college professors laugh at her for wanting to invite jesus to dinner and that must be the source of all of our problems today well, um, well i do think it's funny so sue <laughs> <Still> me <laughs> No, but honestly, that's, I mean, that's such a great point about like, just, I, I remember, you know, so I was raised Catholic and I remember a good friend of mine saying to me like in high school, right around when we're like, what is this? I'm not really religious. Um, <laughs> and her posing, you know, sort, sort of like, you know, devil's advocate, uh, <laughs> pun intended, but um, basically being like, well, what, you know, do you think you'd be, did you think you'd have like the same moral and ethical co code if you weren't like, and not raised Catholic particularly, but like raised in a religious sense where you're sort of hearing about things uh, all the time. And I, I think like, it's funny because I, I think so, yes, today. I couldn't have, an, I didn't have an answer for the time. I absolutely like don't think you need organized religion to like build a moral and ethical code, but it does, it does, it, it is a very interesting um, proposition to like, think about like how you do that. Right. And like, I'm also doing the same thing, um, raising my kids cause they're not going to be raised under any sort of organized religion. <laughs> so it's basically like, you know, uh, I have to figure that out as well in terms of like modeling and talking about things and all of that kind of stuff outside of the context of, uh, Jesus H Christ, but, um, <laughs> or any other, any other religious figure for that matter. But I think what's interesting is like, to your point, for who Rose is as a character and where she comes from. Like we don't talk about her Christianity or, you know, her Protestantism or whatever, except it's, it's actually inextricable from who she is. Like it's really, right. and, and it's funny when it does pop up in moments like this where you're like, oh yeah, of course you're like a devout 
Protestant, whatever. I mean, we never hear about them going to church, but certainly, like you said, from like a puritanical value and this inherent belief that like everyone's good and everyone's the same, <laughs> you know, everyone sees the world the same way. We see a lot of surprises with the character of Rose when, you know, other people turn out to not be Christian in the same way she is, or other people like have different assumptions about the way life should go. So anyway, I just, I, I thought it was really interesting of just exploring like a hidden religious side to someone. Yeah, <laughs> to no, character. I agree. I, I totally think so. And I think like it, it is a good sort of um, like precursor to her feeling like she feels around these professors and like like we said yeah. like they're like not nice like they're you know like whatever rose is not on the same intellectual playing field as them i guess she's you know she's limited <laughs> um she's basic <laughs> um they're limited uh, but she like you know they're not super nice to her and it's really really sad to see her upset but she does act a little bit like like childlike which is also yeah. a through line of her character is like she sits there and she's like upset she's humiliated she's embarrassed which like is sad I, I, I feel like the the predominant emotion that I have is like empathy and I feel sad for her and I you know like I have such a low threshold for humiliation that like I really feel for yeah. her um <laughs> But, but like her reaction to it is so immature. It's, it's like pouty. It's like, I'm going to stay home and I'm not going. And like, what's the point? I'll just say something stupid. But it's, it feels so like. But it's visceral though. You yeah. Know? But it, yeah, I see it. I see it. But it does feel so teenagery. It's just like not, there's not a whole lot of uh, emotional intelligence there from my perspective of like how she reacts. Mm -hmm interesting I never thought of it that about it that way and you know I think it's also like <laughs> speaking of sounding elitist I'm like I don't think I can understand how Rose feels since I am very smart now um uh, but like <laughs> but it is, it is true. Like, my what would you feel like what would you feel like if like picturing like someone that you think is out of your league that you have extremely strong feelings for and like I I think what happens a lot of times, and it's a self-esteem thing too, is like you, you convince yourself you're sort of not worthy or there's no way that this person would be interested in you. And that's exactly what Rose is doing because she's self-protecting. She's like, right. she's so nervous. She gave it a shot. His friends treated her like total shit. And then she's like, okay, don't like this feeling. Gonna run away from it. What's the best way to do it? Convince myself that like, there's no possible way he's actually interested in me. And then what I love about this episode is that they actually talk about it. They like, they, they talk about her being less smart than him in like the most like <laughs> intelligent way that you possibly could. Like they kind of do, like, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Like even Dorothy is like, you just march to a beat of a different drum. You know, like it's, it's not <laughs> like, I, I also just love when she's like, you think for a living. <laughs> Which is such a fucking hilarious line of like, talk about like childlike simplicity, right? Like that's what a college professor is. You think for a living. True. And then he comes back with like, don't be so impressed. I have summers off, which is like the cutest response to that. And He's I so think, charming. Like, 
He's so charming. He's so charming. And I think that the, that kind of a power dynamic from an intellectual perspective is actually in a lot of relationships would not be healthy at all. And Rose would be absolutely right for being like, this isn't for me. But the way that Miles is presented and the way he talks about their connection and the way that he finds her charming um, when she <laughs> basically is, is kind of dumb and naive is awesome and we we know inherently as the audience even in this isolated episode when technically you don't know that miles is going to stick around you know that like he's coming from a good place you know and i think i i just i just really like the way it's presented um because yeah rose is sort of like being pouty and it is it is ridiculous with the whole like what i don't like about the poutiness is the convincing blanche to go out with him and then being mad about it like that's that's childlike <laughs> yeah though it gives much. us that beautiful line <laughs> can you believe that backstabbing slut but um, a backstabbing slut <laughs> i feel <no>. like it. <laughs> so good oh my god but like but i i don't know i i think rose's reaction is mostly warranted based on how his piece of shit friends made her feel yeah, yeah, I'm not saying, I agree. And I think it's actually like, uh, I thought of this while you were, um, well, while you were droning like, on. No, no, but like what you're, I feel like what you're saying about her is like imposter syndrome. Like that's the yes, term yes, that we yes, use yes. for it now. And like, you're right, you know, you're that right. I do think I can sort of relate to. And I feel like every, like, not every maybe, but like a lot of teenage girls have that at some point. And I guess, you know, that's the association for me is like when I most felt that way, was as a weird teen and like a weird kid <laughs> and teen, you know a weird teen <laughs> i mean you know any other teenagers who were recording nova and pbs being like hey you guys see that thing about the dinosaurs <laughs> <Back in break. laughs> um like, my favorite show was the golden girls once again <laughs> exactly um but yeah like i think that's maybe the association for me there is like uh just that feeling to me is like insecure, which I most associate with like my teenage years. Um, right. Not that that's the last time I felt that way, of course, but like, I do think the imposter syndrome thing is something that like, is, um, you know, like a lot of millennials have dealt with it. I, I'm sure other people, other generations who didn't have the term for it, like Rose, for example, but yeah. um, you know, like that feeling is really tough. And I guess like, yeah, I think her reaction is warranted. Um, I think his friends just like totally suck, which is obviously played for it, but it really lets him shine to your point. Yes. Like when they're yes. dancing and he like is okay with her like silly story and he like encourages her to be herself. And it's, I think it's also a really um, like a nice note about sort of like loving who you love I think a lot of the times we see it yeah. from the other side of like Dorothy um like we just saw with Dorothy and um uh Kenneth like Van Dyke <laughs> yeah like you you can't make it happen and you also kind of really can't like you can't write out a list of qualities you want your your partner to have and make sure they have them all like if you fall in love with somebody right. that's what it is and I think like there's just such good chemistry between Harold Gould and Betty White as is and then like like Rose and Miles you know like it's just yeah it's a really great starting point for the relationship that's actually an amazing I love the analogy of like Kenneth and this episode because like uh, last episode the partnership was perfect on paper absolutely perfect and it didn't work and right. this one on paper it looks bizarre and ridiculous right like farmer's daughter college professor kind of thing as they allude to in later <laughs> episodes 
Um, and it works, you know, yeah. it's just, that's such a great point of just like, that's <laughs> you, you actually have them like piggyback off each other. So pretty. Interesting. Um, the Glenn Miller line is really funny. So I want to talk about that <laughs> because like the, this Glenn Miller Matt is somebody Browning. that I truly Matt Browning, right? Like he gives you the full, um, the full background on that, but Glenn Miller is something I only knew about because of the Golden Girls because it's referenced so many times that I like needed to look it up like you know as soon as Wikipedia became a regular thing um but I I I don't think I would have another reason to have looked him up so the more you know exactly no it's awesome um and I love that like I I really like that guy I kind of wish that we see a little bit more of him the one that's like I normally wouldn't be so forward (laughs) I know he's kind of like a perfect dork you know it's like it's really cute um okay (laughs) i want to back it up um where blanche let's go back to horny blanche right so before we even get to rose like freaking out and you know backstabbing slut and all of that she comes home and she's like i figured it out right like to our previous conversation it's not at the bowling alley that you meet men it's not at the ballroom that you meet men not even at the bar it's the hardware store (laughs) God, she's like right alive with sexual energy tools plugs sockets nude furniture dirty stuff like that <laughs> i just i die at nude furniture it's amazing um but i would be remiss i i've got a, a, some really good friends from portland oregon um michelle and graham were in a, a band called michelle and the beards um which was you know filled with other guys with beards as you'd imagine um and they have a song called hardware store that you can look up on spotify or whatnot and it's basically a like double entendre sexual song just like blanche is talking about wow it's true hard hard where are you when i need a screw you know i mean it's like it's really it's uh it's a very dirty and sexy song and it just like it popped into my head as soon as blanche is like i got it (laughs) but then what's great is like she's all revved up and then she's like yeah it didn't work out like i don't know what it was i think it was the way he cleaned his ears with his keys and then sophia's face reacting to that (laughs) It's incredible. <laughs> it's just like, I get a real visceral image from that, uh, that description. So it's just, I, I just love that that's the cap on the story. We think it's actually going to go somewhere where Blanche gets satisfied and then no, it's disgusting. Nope. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about the cabbage real quick too? <laughs> so many good lines. So oh, the cabbage, she serves me in 10 minutes. I could be skywriting. The laughter from the audience, I should have timed it. That was quite the laugh break that was the biggest one of this entire episode it's just it's like, so funny and then the callback when she's like hey who told her to feed me cabbage like- exactly oh my god like it's just incredible like the how just fart jokes and potty humor brings everyone together which is crazy because i usually don't like that i really don't like that actually in almost anything else yeah. and even sometimes in the golden girls i'm like nah i don't that doesn't but this one i like I mean, I, I think every time Sophia talks about it for the most part, it's so, it's so awesome. Like when she, like, I think backed up against these pillows is so good. And like, you heard that. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> oh, but yeah, the cabbage one is incredible because it does come out of left field. It's like, they're just, you know, they're 
creating the illusion that Rose is interesting at dinner and discussing things. And it's just, it's just so funny. Also love the bit of writing where we can't actually see the dinner. And Miles is like, that dinner was great. What was it? You're like, you didn't ask what it was. You ate the entire thing. Like, shouldn't you make casual conversation before that? nobody asked they just like eat what's on their plates it was it was hilarious um i also love so going back to the the rose you know feeling dumb being dumb i actually really like how rose calls dorothy out on correcting her because she does say it condescendingly you know she does but it it it's not a team it is a composer <laughs> in dorothy's defense fair but like it's just the way she does it though is with that pitiable it's very um, teachery yeah yeah but like but but still condescending i mean you could absolutely be like no no i think he meant tchaikovsky the composer you know right. like, you like there's, a, there's a way that sure. you could say it with your voice instead of like rose honey right i yeah. kind of love it could you pretend it was a team make him look stupid yeah it's funny <laughs> like it, it brushes you know she brushes it away and it obviously happens very quickly but I think that just lends credence to like what I was talking about before, like where Rose is coming from here. Everything that fits into the, the category of her being dumb and him being smart and her not being good enough and him not possibly like being able to, to want her is like all of that stuff is heightened. Once you have that in your head, you are hypersensitive to anything, right? So that's yeah. why I'm kind of like, come on Dorothy like you're on her team right so like don't you know don't make her just don't make her feel like more shit <laughs> yeah, meanwhile doesn't know exactly what's going on but you know still <laughs> Blanche is working natural fertilizer into the conversation yeah that's how you uh, <laughs> that's how you support um and it's that's funny right. because like, and actually she... <laughs> Blanche is doing a better job than Dorothy in that case which yeah, is like when does that fucking happen yeah um, yeah, and like also like Dorothy and Miles, it's it, I think like also the writers must have seen that too happening because again like they they should Dorothy and Miles do line up intellectually and and um, yeah there's some good well, chemistry as we there see too, in the so, two parter in the yeah the Moonlight yeah. Madness that's like I, I think that that's sort of like you see them together and you're like oh that's a great that how can right. we work this into a story um, but yeah I agree Dorothy like could have said it in a nicer way but Rose is so cute when she's like I bet we'll beat them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's adorable. I couldn't. Of course you couldn't. You stay out of the story. Um, I, I do. Yeah, I do love the like Blanche just being horny and he's a man. So like that's where they pair off, you know, Rose actually being the object of his affection and then Dorothy being perfect on paper, um, which is really fascinating. But I think it's funny, like I, I just I love how matter of fact when like Blanche comes back and she's like, ugh all he did was talk about Rose and she's like, really? She's like, I never make up stories where I come out looking bad. <laughs> just yeah, like, so, <laughs> so like matter of fact, and you're like, you're fucking right. Right. Like, again, we know these characters so well and the writers do too. Right. So it's just like, so incredible to see them firing all on all cylinders like that. It's just, uh, it's such a great line for Blanche. I like Blanche very much. So does Blanche. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> Exactly. What a great tie-off. Oh, oh, perfect. Hide the finger, Borg. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, it's really satisfying. And it's it's lovely to think about how we, of course, you know, we get more miles. We get much more miles. And then miles turns into Nicholas. And it's just with the start of a wild ride. Yeah. Give me the miles. I love miles. I, I'm coming out as a miles supporter. Hold here, please. <laughs> Don't at me. <laughs> Don't at me. 
<laughs> but do though, because we like we like those conversations. We do. Um. All right. Are we good? Yeah. The only thing I have left is like the end, the freeze frame. So oh. weird. <laughs> what a weird. They tried something. I. Fine. This is getting oh, closer uh, to the '90s, right? We're just like it's real, so, all the weird yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Like I'm doing the breakfast club fist right now. You guys all know. Yeah. <laughs> you are. You're like on the other side of this microphone. <laughs> I literally am. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh God. Awesome. All right. Well, that, that wraps up Dancing in the Dark. So join us next time. We're going to discuss the pitfalls of your drink of choice being a Harvey wall banger if you only had one day to live. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everyone. <laughs>